with a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the upcoming Week 9 games across the NFL. In this episode, we'll cover the regular weekly picks against the spread, Andy Sotal prop and also get to your news of the week. But first, with me as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's my main man, Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. Hey, pal. Hey, uh, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you as well. Just so our listeners know, uh, Maddie's not much of a Halloween guy. Nope, can't stand it. Uh, but I am. I, I, I haven't am put a costume on since guy. I was probably eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No. No lie. You're missing out, dude. No. Nah. Well, anyway, so it's when all the, anyways, co- so when all the, the kooks come out of the woodwork. Yeah. 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 I don't dig that. Um, I stay at home. Grouchy, get off my lawn, guy. Get off my lawn. <sighs> Why would anyone do drugs when they could just mow a lawn? <laughs> well, we should uh, probably start by saying congratulations to the professional baseball team from Washington. And yeah. That would be the X Expos, the Washington Nationals. Yeah, I still um, call them the Washington X- Expos. Yeah, I do too. You know, it's, it's like the Chargers. You just you can't get over it. Yeah. Um, that was quite the series. Yep. Yeah, um, it was great. Though, obviously. Though- the visiting team won every you know, game. The, every game. So I was listening to an interview with Bob Costas yesterday before the game started. And of all the major sports that have seven game series, so that's your, your um, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, and the NBA, in series in which it's actually gone six games, there's been over 1,400 instances and not one. And not one has a series been won entirely by the visiting team. And so that obviously applies to not only uh, six games, but also seven games now. So hats off to the Road Warriors. Um, quite, quite the feat. Yeah, they say you got to win on the road to win a championship, and the Washington Nationals literally did that. Yep. Yeah. But we didn't, uh, we didn't come here to talk about baseball. So... Let's first acknowledge Maddie's nine and six effort against the spread last week. I could still pick winners and I could still make money for all kinds of people back home. How you doing? How you I, rode the, How you I just what made me sad about that was I rode the Raiders, the Packers, and faded my Bears for that. So I sold a piece of my soul. You did, but you got a winning record. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, much unlike myself, who was. Um, six and nine, it's reciprocal, if you will. But I managed to save face with the total prop tees. Uh, did go two out of three. It took the Green Bay Packers and the Chiefs, who have the highest scoring first half, which they did. And then we also teased the Bucks to plus eight and a half. They lost by six. And the second part of that was Houston down to minus one, and they won by three points against the Raiders, which Maddie took. They're Raiders! Yep. Now, what was music to my ears of all the games, and obviously we can talk about San Fran in, uh, a little bit later and, and the dominant performance that they put on. But there was one point in the game where the, uh, the announcer said, there seems to be a flag in the play. And I'm like, oh, jeez. Not, not again. And he's like, no, I'm wrong. That's a hot dog wrapper floating across the field. Hot dogs! Get your hot dogs here! It was like, finally, like one play without laundry on the field. And I'm, I'm just happy that the people in San Francisco aren't eating tofu salads or anything like that. Good old-fashioned <laughs> hot dogs. 
and we and we also have to give a tip of the hat to the Bosa family. The family Joey of killers. Bosa, killers. Joey Bosa was the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, and his brother Nick was the NFC Defensive Player of the Week with three sacks in the first half, plus an interception in the second. Almost went for a touchdown too. So that that, that whole family's on fire. Keep on fire. Let's get to the news of the week. KFC announced it will be testing a new combination of fried chicken and glazed donuts, a move that is either genius or insane. It's a fine line. The chicken sandwich, which sells for $5.99, features a fried chicken patty between two donut buns. To be honest, the combination of salty and sweet is a little enticing. Uh, It's basically chicken and waffles, right, buddy? Who the hell eats this garbage? I'm not sure, but uh, a leaked report from KFC's marketing department announced they will be calling this the Freddy Kitchens. I'm Wilfred Brimley, and I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. Actually, about uh, diabetes and, uh, you know, uh, diabetes. Four people have been arrested after allegedly trying to sneak 880 pounds of methamphetamine into Australia in hundreds of bottles of Sriracha-branded hot sauce. The boxes, which were sent by freight from the United States to Sydney, were declared as containing bottles of the chili sauce. But testing by the Australian Border Force earlier this month found the bottles contained large amounts of meth which has an estimated potential street value of over 300 million Australian dollary dues. 900 dollary dues? Hey, Matty, what do you think would make kangaroo more palatable, sriracha or meth? Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. When a man in North Carolina was pulled over on suspicion of driving drunk, police didn't believe him when he said he hadn't had any alcohol. The man in his late 40s refused to take a breathalyzer test and was taken to a hospital where his initial blood alcohol level was found to be 0.02, about two and a half times the legal limit and the equivalent of consuming 10 drinks per hour. Despite the man swearing up and down that he hadn't had anything to drink, doctors didn't believe him either. But researchers at Richmond University eventually discovered that the man was telling the truth. He wasn't downing beers or cocktails. Instead, there was a yeast in his gut that was likely converting carbohydrates in the food he ate to alcohol. In other words, his body was brewing beer. You know, if you're going to suffer from that disease, though, sounds like a pretty good one to have. Do you think his doctor makes him go to AA meetings? Hi-oh! All right, let's fire it up with our weekly picks. All right, Sunday's going to be fun because you've got four separate time slots to watch football in because our first game is across the pond in England. It's going to be uh, airing at 9.30 in the morning. That's Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, I'm talking about uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars playing host to the Houston Texans. Uh, that is in England. So Jacksonville is one-and-a-half-point underdogs. Which is odd. I, don't, I think the wrong team's favored here. The J.J. Wattless Houston Texans. Uh, um, this is this is home for Jacksonville. This is their seventh trip over to the pond to play a game since they started doing this about 10 years ago. Um, 15% of the revenue is 
that the home team gives up by going over there, uh, they get back from the entire event. So I think Jacksonville, if they had their druthers, would play every single game of the season over there because it's just a lot more profitable for them. By comparison, Houston has never played a game there before. And in fact, I'd be surprised if Bill O'Brien could even point out England on a map. So, so simply, simply for the fact that Jacksonville had been there, done that, um, you know, they, they played really well last week, albeit against the Jets. Um, Gardner Minshew, the second, is still putting on a clinic. Well, said, as is Leonard five Fournette. Games, five, five games uh, <laughs> or more uh, with two or more pass CDs. He did. Yeah. So <clears throat> did you not, see bad, that? not bad for a rookie. Did you see that banner flying overhead during the game? Yeah. Yeah. Gardner ain't afraid of no ghosts. Gardner Minshew ain't afraid of no ghosts. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Each of the Jags. Four wins this year have come versus opponents 500 or below. So Jacksonville four and four straight up right now. They are 500 or below. John, Deshaun Watson also has a three and O career record versus the Jags, and the Jags have had some pretty good defenses that he's faced. Uh, now the Jags D though, uh, their last three games they've had the benefit of two of those games playing the Jets, the Bengals, and then they did play uh, the New Orleans Saints, and that was a great game. Yeah, they held them to 13 points, I yeah. think it was. So uh, 15 points per game allowed, uh, 267 yards per game allowed, and seven takeaways. That's pretty awesome. Uh, they're also allowing on the rush 84, 85.4 yards per game on the ground, and uh, that's where I see this matchup going is the Jags D good at stopping the run, but Leonard Fournette uh, for the Jags. Uh, he's got 98.9 uh, rush yards per game. That's fourth most in the N NFL. So, I mean, if the Jags are going to do it, they got to do it on the ground and they got to stop Houston from running. Yeah, I mean, what this comes down to is the fact that, you know, it's a five-hour time difference for Jacksonville, six-hour one for Houston. Um, who gets there early? What coach makes them more prepared? And I think everything in that light sort of favors Jacksonville. And for those reasons, I'm taking the Jags. See, I'd take the Jags if they were over a field goal, but at uh, plus one and a half, Deshaun Watson can keep it close. And I think if it comes down to a duel between he and Minshew, I'm a big Minshew guy, but uh, I think Deshaun Watson's got something special going on there in Houston this year. It is going to be tough, though. Without J.J. Watt, they're not going to quite have the pass rush. Uh, and if you don't get to a rookie quarterback like Minshew, you know, so I'm almost talking myself out of the pick, but no, I think I'm going to, as long as it stays under a field goal, I'm with the Texans. Hey, how do you think that uh, Minshew stash is going to go over uh, in jolly old England? Oh, they're going to love it. Yeah. They got some, so? England's known for some legendary mustaches, aren't they? You've seen some of those old pictures from the House of Commons. They got mustaches that continue into sideburns over there. Oh, One, two, three. Call Bill. Go Bills. Go Bills. To upstate New York for our next game where the Buffalo Bills are nine-point favorites over the visiting professional football team from Washington. This uh, line started at nine and a half, so uh, already there's money moving on to Washington. Is that warranted? Actually, started at 10. Um, wow. And it's got a really low total of 36 and a half. Um, you know, this is the rematch for Super Bowl 26. 
1991, Mark Rippon versus Jim Kelly. As you remember, Matty, Harry Connick Jr. sang the national anthem. Gloria Estefan did the halftime show, and the great Chuck Knoll did the coin toss. Washington were seven-point favorites in that game. The total was set at 48. Washington ended up winning 37-24, led by Joe Gibbs. The owner was Jack Kent Cook. In other words, the good old days. Oh, I say, yeah, long Jack gone Kent are Cook. the days of Jack Kent Cook. And Joe Gibbs, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah now it's Dan Snyder. Enjoy that. Yeah, that's why I refer to them as the good old days. Yeah. But to answer your original question, is that line move warranted? I think um, if we just take a look at the weather forecast for the game, okay? Now, we've seen a couple games already like that this year. So uh, if you remember the New England-Cleveland game last week, what that looked like when San Fran went into Washington and played in that mud bath. And then even uh, the weather in Buffalo last week wasn't terribly great. No, but they still went over. Here they still went over. They, well, they still went over. But here's the thing. And now we're talking about rain there, but I'm just going to throw some stuff out here for you. I've been using this strategy for quite a few years now. And I think, I think this particular one gives you a legitimate edge against the books. Now, let me preface it by saying I, I find that college football is much preferable to the NFL in doing this for several reasons. Now, the reason why is obviously you have many, many more games to choose from, and most of the stadiums are outdoors. But what I'm going to talk about is how the weather affects the total of the game. The weather can move totals a little bit, but you don't really get an accurate weather report uh, until Thursday or Friday. And by that time, the lines have already been out a few days. So it's unlikely that the original uh, weather forecast was factored into the line. And it's way too easy just to say that bad weather creates unders, because it doesn't. Um, in fact, you know, if you consider fumbling, short fields, punting a lot, um, you can have um, quite a few overs if it's simply a matter of rain. But once wind speed exceeds 15 miles an hour, throwing the ball becomes much more difficult, forcing teams to use their clock-eating running game. But more so than that, it makes the kicking game far less effective. So they're more likely to punt or go for it on fourth downs. And if they do kick, the success rate drops significantly. Rain and snow, on the other hand, can create more turnovers. As I said, short fields, making the outcome more likely to go over a low total. My sweet spot for totals is to go under 55 if the wind speed is more than 15 miles an hour. So in a sample size of 781 college games, where the wind was more than 13 miles an hour, the total went under 449 times versus 332 for the over. That's a winning percentage of 57. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Right now, the wind speed is expected to be between 13 and 15 miles an hour in Buffalo. So I would think that with a low total like that, there is, it makes total sense for that line movement to come down from double digits to where it is right now at, uh, at plus nine. Yeah, so plus nine for the professional football team from Washington. Rightfully so. The Bills, D, um, they were pretty good at the start of the season. The last two games, though, against Philly and Miami, they've allowed 26 points per game, uh, 376 yards per game allowed, and also uh, a 94.9 opposition pa uh, passer rating. And those are the two uh, pretty iffy passing teams as opposed to their first five games where they were allowing 14 points per game. Uh, and a 66.9 opposition passer rating. So, 
but they are playing Washington yeah. and they haven't scored a touchdown in their last nine quarters. So I know the Bills don't score a lot, but geez, Washington doesn't well, score at all. It's like, well, that's likely why we might see a quarterback change. So it likely won't be Case Keenum, enter Dwayne Haskins. At which he, point there's he still hasn't looked very good yet. He, yeah, he has a no. Not so they're going to run the ball, year. right? Yeah. They're just going to hand the ball to Adrian Peterson, you know, 25 times, and they'll probably keep this game really close. So I'm, I'm taking the professional football team from Washington in this one. Now when people hear the name Redskins, they will immediately think titties and bows. It's just a bold new way that we can say we don't fucking care. Go Redskins! On to Carolina, where the Tennessee Titans are coming into town. Uh, Tennessee managed to just squeak one out last week. It was a much-needed win. Carolina late. Yeah, they got Sorry, they got by with a little help from the refs that game. Yeah, they sure Tennessee did. But, hey, every now and then it's nice to be on the uh, the winning side of that because I picked Tennessee. <laughs> but well, uh, Carolina laying three and a half points at home. And uh, I'm liking Carolina in this spot. I just, like you said, I think Tennessee kind of lucked out in their, their win last week. They lucked out. They won. Everyone's high in Tennessee. They won their last three games straight. Um, are they going to make it four? I doubt it. Carolina got absolutely embarrassed in San Francisco last week. Yep. That was that was a fun game to watch, man. That was I haven't had that much fun watching a 49er game in a while because you just knew right off the bat it belonged to them. And I don't know if you watched any of the game, but even at the end, when they're in victory formation, you know how they always keep one guy back. Yep. Um, just just before they snap the ball, due to a bat flip, like these guys are just happy. They're cheering for each other when they score touchdowns. Great, great atmosphere. But yeah, they absolutely embarrassed Carolina, and I'm looking for them to have a big bounce back game here. Like Kyler uh, Kyler Allen had not thrown uh, a touch or um, interception in his last five games before that, and he threw three. So I don't I don't see that happening again here. I mean Tennessee's got a good defense, but I think Carolina's just a little that much hungrier. Yeah, Carolina's defense has allowed twelve rushing touchdowns this year, so uh, they really have to contain uh, Derrick Henry, who's uh, got thirteen mm-hmm. rush touchdowns since Week Thirteen in twenty eighteen. That's the most in the NFL. So Carolina's definitely is it really? Gonna, yeah, that Derrick they're going to have to do something to contain him. Um, and also Kyle Allen, uh, the game against San Francisco, he have, he he evaded zero pressures and had a zero passer rating when under pressure last week. So I think the book's out on him. You got to get to him. Tennessee's defense can get to him. Um, they got the seventh highest pressure rate in the NFL. They're three, four, and one against the spread. Four and four straight up this year. They've played some decent competition. Uh, this one's a toughie to pick because Tennessee also under Tannehill, they're getting about 25 points per game, over 300 yards per game in offense and a 45.8% third down completion. Like that's pretty good. Right. And I mean, still small sample size with him and you know what, when you compare him to Mariota, anyone's going to look good. Yeah, that's true. You know, (sighs) 
This one's a really tough one. Tennessee does have a really good defense with a lot of pressure, which could really. I don't like the hook here. You know what? Yeah, you know what? Three and a half. You're right. Three and a half. That's the problem. I just think Carolina is. They're going to be more motivated and be quite honest. I think they're just flat out a better team. Um, You've got your boy uh, McCaffrey there. Yeah. Yeah. Runs CMC. Leads the NFL in scrimmage yards. Yeah. Well, he's, he's on a pace to. Break the all-time record, I believe. Yeah, 154 yards oh, uh, a game right now. That's uh, that's, that's not bad. I think that's, that's what impressive. The are averaging as a team. Yeah, that's that's impressive off- offensive output from one guy. Yeah. No, I'm with you, buddy. I'm I, I'm looking at Carolina here as long as it stays above a field goal. Right on to Arrowhead Stadium, where lately the Kansas City Chiefs have had a problem winning. Like, they can't even, not, it's not just covering the spread. They're not winning games outright at home, which is crazy considering Arrowhead is such a great home field advantage. And they're not getting any help because the high-flying Minnesota Vikings squad is coming into town. They've got to keep pace with the Green Bay Packers, who are tearing it up in the NFC North. And, of course, just to add a little bit more drama, the, this line is off the board because, of course, Pat Mahomes is uh, doubtful. So you're back to Moore, who hasn't really been yeah. bad in his steed. No, no, he's played all right, but it is a big drop off when you're setting the line. Yeah. Um, and whether can, or not and, that translates to a, as much of a difference on the field, but certainly when you're doing a pregame flop uh, and you're picking a side, uh, you got to expect that that's going to be anywhere from eight to nine points difference. Um, yeah. But I, there's not much point in us talking about the game because we don't know if he's playing. I don't think he's going to be playing, uh, which would probably make KC uh, per, about a four-point underdog like they were last week against Green Bay. Yeah. I think Minnesota and Green Bay kind of match up evenly. Both have pretty in good terms offense, of what they can do, so and you know sure. they're on the road. Like all three of KC, yeah, you're going to see a big dose of at- Dalvin Cook. Yeah, What's Dal- you're going to see a, a, a high dose of Dalvin Cook. Also, you're going to apparently, if you go by the stats, you're going to see a lot of Stefan Diggs. He's accounted for 35.4% of all Vikings receiving yards this season. That's the second highest in the NFL, which is pretty interesting. Also, Adam Thielen is questionable, although I think he will go. The big problem here is... still got that toe injury, right? Yeah. The big problem here I see for KC is Dalvin Cook, though. He's been averaging, uh, well, with Minnesota as a team, they're averaging 160 yards per game. And Casey's defense is allowing 145 rush yards per game. So I don't see that getting any better for Kansas City's defense. So I, I actually picked the the Minnesota Vikings here to win outright. Um, it's, it's, it's hard without Mahomes being in there. I mean, even if he is in there, how well do you think he's going to be? Like, they're going to they're going to keep him. They're going to keep him under wraps. Yep. Um, I just yeah, think their I like, defense I like is Minnesota, too poor. I like Minnesota to win here by how much? I don't know. Uh, if the line's minus four, I might not like it as much as if it was minus two. But yeah, let's just say Vikings to win, and that's about all we can do with it. Yeah, I think I think you're going to see a game a lot like Casey Green Bay last week. You're going to mm-hmm. see that. It's just um, I think Minnesota is going to they're going to allow Casey to score because even under more their their offense is pretty productive. But their defense, like their secondary is absolutely no good. 
And then, of course, they can't stop the run either. So, I mean, between Dalvin Cook and Stefan Diggs, if you've if you've got either of those guys on your fantasy team, I'd say uh, start those lads. Oh, oh, guess who has Dalvin Cook? Oh, guess, guess, guess. Would that be you? That would be me. That would be me. Yeah, well, you better start him this week because he's going to go off. I, I, I fully intend to. All right, this is the ho-hum game of the week. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are at home playing host to the New York Jets. Miami three-point underdogs at home. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I really thought they showed up on Monday night looking like they were ready to play. And then Pittsburgh scored that late half touchdown, and it, they just fell apart. Was that on the, was that the one that was uh, third and 20 and the <laughs> yeah, they completed Basically, that. Basically, there was no one route. around them. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, it was a zero yeah. blitz, right? So they committed everybody except for the yeah. guys needed to cover the passers. And I mean, he just he cut across the middle and there was nobody for days. How about zero results? Because uh, that, that I, you know what? That play in itself gave the impression that they were tanking. Yep. But. And the way they played right in the now, second half. Like it just. They literally, and, but but they they look like they, there's some effort there. So Maddie and I have this big plan in week 17. Um, if they are indeed tanking, we are going to get tanked for Tua for the episode. Yeah, that'll be and, good times. You know, the look ahead line on this was actually the Jets uh, plus or the Jets minus six and a half. And then I guess you know recency effect. People saw Miami kind of show up on prime time. Yeah, you know they get up to a 14 point lead and. And I checked the in like the uh, in game play lines. Yeah, <laughs> the Steelers were still two and a half point favorites. Yeah, that's that, like that's how little respect they're getting from well anyone, even the lines makers. Well, you get the, you get the respect that you earn, right? Yeah, no, they've earned no respect. Uh, but it's not too often that you know you see a team like the Jets, who in your last two games had you losing twenty nine fifteen and thirty three nothing, and now you're the favorite in the next game. Yeah. Um, I actually was, I was speaking to a, a Miami Dolphin seasons ticket holder a couple of weeks ago, not a lot of interest in the game. Apparently you can pick up tickets for about 10 bucks. However, to combat such boredom, uh, they set up in the, um, in the tailgating area, a strip club and they bring in real strippers called the Scarlets and they sort of box them off, fence them off. And guys can go there like they would any sort of strip club. The reason why I bring this up is because the Super Bowl is going to be played there. And you go to imagine that Robert Kraft's going to like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that's now th uh, just down the road from his favorite spa. Yes, it is. Jupiter, Florida. Now, this is not the Super Bowl. In fact, it looks a lot more like a toilet bowl. But the... Um, story within the game here is Adam Gase coming back to Miami where he got fired last year. And now he's the coach of the Jets. Now the Jets locker room doesn't seem to care for him that much. There was trade rumors this week of getting rid of uh, Le'Veon Bell, which is weird. Um, you got your quarterback seeing ghosts. Seeing ghosts. And I don't know, all these things adding up. Now you got your guy from Harvard, you know, Fitzmagic. 
under center, uh, you know, you look at that Jets O-line. Last week, they gave up eight sacks to the Jags. And a couple weeks before that, they gave up 10 sacks to the Eagles. I just, I mean, you got to take the points with Miami at home, I think. Yeah, this is a tough one at a field goal. I just, the problem is Sam Darnold's got eight giveaways since week seven. That's the most in the NFL. So he is seeing those see out people. there. Yeah. I see dead people. Um, the Jets, though, they concern me at wide receiver as Thomas Bellamy and Berrios are all questionable. So I'd like to see what their status is before betting on this game. But Miami's defense has allowed two-plus pass touchdowns in every game this year. I think this is the game where uh, Sam Darnold gets himself straight, right? This is a good uh, – going into Miami to well, play Miami's that a good defense, team to do, do that against. Yeah. Right? So I'm going but with – unless the, there's a gun to your head, unless there's a gun to your head, you don't have to bet this game. And, Matty, oh. what do we always say? Some of the best bets are the ones that you don't make. Yeah, I will not be putting my own money on this, but since I have to pick for the podcast, I will be taking the New York Jets. Uh, the city of brotherly love. The Philadelphia Eagles have the Chicago Bears coming to town. Philadelphia five-point favorites at home. And this, of course, is a rematch of last year's playoff catastrophe. Oh, you mean the double-doink rematch, Matty? Yes, the double-doink. Oh, my goodness. The Bears' season's going to end on a double-doink. Well, speaking of double doink, what was up with your boy Pinheiro last week? Nessing field goal at full 41-yarder at the uh, the last minute. Well, what's last his second that could have won the game? He's on the his, wrong hash mark. Yeah, what's his coach doing taking a knee with 42 seconds left in the game? Maybe try to, you know, run up the middle so that he can get a uh, – it, it just goes to show you, like, first of all, he said, like, well, what if you fumble? Well, also, what if you miss the field goal? Like, I mean, I don't think there's no risk in doing the other, right? So why not try know. a handoff and at least set your 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 kicker up in the middle of the field? Or hey, why not do what winning teams do and go for it and put them out of it, right? But instead they take a knee. Uh, but that also goes to show you how much uh, confidence that Coach Nagy has uh, in Mitch Trubisky. And at this point in the season, do you blame him? I honestly can't tell which one's worse, Nagy or Trubisky, right now. You know, sometimes Nagy's <laughs> dialing up good plays, but Trubisky's overthrowing receivers. And other times, Trubisky's doing what he can, but the play call isn't that great. And you can't really blame their defense because they're gassed. They're on the field three quarters of the game. Um, you've heard of a guy named Allen Robinson? Oh, yeah. He's he's an excellent wide receiver. <laughs> Although, And I think he's going to have a I think he's going to have a good day against the spanged up Philadelphia second day. Yeah, they do have a they have a very banged up team. And I you know I like Chicago in this because what do you have is the recency effect again. Yeah. You Philadelphia kicking the crap out of Buffalo, right? In, in poor weather, Buffalo wasn't playing well on either side of the ball. 
Chicago losing a heartbreaker to the traveling Chargers, a game they definitely should have won. And I just think five points is too much. In fact, I, I could see Chicago, you know, Mad- money line Maddie. Uh, if you were giving them, just saying, you know, just saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking at this as a money line play. I mean, the Bears D has allowed fewer than 20 points in five games this year. They're no slouches. And Carson Wentz, uh, you know, for all Le'Veon Bell's, uh, you know, chat about how awesome he is, he hasn't had a, Philly hasn't had a 100-yard rusher since week four of 2017. That's LeGarrette Blunt. That's who, got, that's who the last guy to rush for 100 yards in an Eagles uniform. Well, it just you know, dawned on me. This will be the first time they meet each other um, since Jordan Howard got traded. It is. And and Jordan Howard's come on strong the last few games as well. However, they still haven't had a 100-yard rusher. And Wentz is going to have to throw the ball a lot. And I'm telling you, if you blitz Wentz and you get to him, which the Bears defense can do, uh, he makes a lot mm-hmm. of mistakes. I could see the Bears defense getting some tur- turnovers, setting up Trubisky with you know a decent field to play on you know not all the way back at his 10 or 20 every time he starts maybe they get the ball the other side of midfield once in a while uh, the Bears defense is totally capable of that and uh, as long as they can rush I don't think the Eagles can stop the rush so yeah I'm uh, taking the Bears if you're going to give me five points you know how like seven and eight year old kids before they play baseball they play t-ball just set it up on the tee so a lot easier to hit. Yeah, there was some sort of tee that we could give for Trubisky. That oh. would be that would be the answer, right? Yeah, just don't put any DBs out there. He'd still overthrow yeah, the I receiver, mean, but at least there wouldn't be any picks. Up next, we head to Steeltown, where the Pittsburgh Steelers play host to the Indianapolis Colts. Pittsburgh one-point favorites. Man, this is really hard one to pick, dude. Uh, you know, the way Pittsburgh's kind of come on, their defense is one of the top fantasy defenses this year. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. didn't look very good against Miami early on, but they really tightened up, and Miami got nothing, especially in the second half. Well, I think Pittsburgh's come to the realization that they could win the division still. Yeah, yeah, right? it is up for grabs. They're going all out, and that's the way they do. That's the way they do it every year, right? They're, they don't. They, when was the last time Pittsburgh had a rebuilding year? They don't. They're always yeah. going for the playoffs. Yeah, reload, not rebuild. Uh, reload, and as, as much as I love Frank Reich and everything about the Colts, you know, you just picture Adam Vinatieri outside in the grass in the weather conditions. You know, how many extra points and field goals is he going to miss this game? Yeah, that's that's um, tough. They would have blew the spread away last week had Vinatieri made those field goals. Yeah, well, luckily he made that that last fifty-one yard one. He looked like he could do that in his sleep. Yeah, but I guarantee you, had he missed that one, he would have quit. They wouldn't have fired him. He would have quit because he's yeah. a proud guy. And I just think that you know, it's uh, it's been a rough year for him anyway. But I don't know Pittsburgh at home. Yeah, I, I, I got to go with the Steelers here. Yeah, it's tough to play to pick against the Steelers at home. They do play so well there, um, but they are zero and four versus teams above five hundred this year. And last time I checked, Indy's above five hundred. Um, 
Now, Indy's also the only team in the NFL this season to have every one of their games decided by one possession. So they keep it really? close. Yeah, but they're coming yeah. out. But what that's what that's how you know they're a winning team is they've been in that many close games, but they've found a way to win in five of those games. Well, wow, this is a one point spread. You know what? The the last eleven times the Colts have come to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's beat them ten of them. Yep. Yep. But some uh, some teams just have a soft spot. I don't know. I Jacoby Brissett. Five and two record this year in Andrew Luck's wake. You know, everybody thought they were going to be, you know, looking to oh, tank yeah. for Tua, and now they got a winning record. He's averaging uh, 227 pass yards per game, 14 touchdowns, and three interception, which means he's got a 99.3 passer rating. Wow. Add to that, you got Marlon Mack and his offensive line. I don't think Pittsburgh has mm-hmm. it as easy as they had it against Miami last week. And I also think Indy's secondary is a lot better than Miami's secondary. So don't expect them to blow that many coverages. I, I look for Indy to go into Pittsburgh this week. And if you're going to give me only one point on Pittsburgh's side, I'm taking Indy. This is Johnny United for the Baltimore Colts. Let's go, you Colts. All right, to Northern California we go. The Oakland Raiders, two-and-a-half-point favorites against the visiting Detroit Lions. And, man, Detroit just can't get no respect, eh? No, they can't. You know, Oakland, is, you know, they've come off that six-week stretch where they had no home games. Played five plus a bye week on the road. So it's not like, you know, they're in the cozy confines. And Oakland or the Bay Area looks like a strange place to them. You know... Well, Matthew Stafford is—he doesn't travel well, but he can—he can beat up a team like Oakland, I think. And I, I, yeah, I think I agree with you in that Detroit is not getting any respect. Although, which is funny during the week, you know, Darius Slay, there was trade rumors about him, and that—that that would be the second defense back. Um, that they would have got rid of in two weeks. He's listed and this as a pro bowler. He's listed as questionable this week too. Well, he's he was questioning the, the organization. In fact, he yeah. said, "I don't care, trade me. I'm a millionaire." That's what he said. I don't care, trade me. I'm a millionaire. Yeah. So that's not probably the best attitude you want to hear of players going on the road. But because um, Oakland, the Raiders are jollying, and John Gruden, as much as we like to rip into the guy, um, he's put a pretty good squad together considering their level of talent. Well, dude, you really got to. It's not just Chucky though. You gotta you gotta give the nod. To and I tease him all the time for being the third best car, but Derek Carr is having himself a year thus far, and, and almost quietly as well. Because I guess maybe on the East Coast here we don't get as much Raiders talk. But here's a quarterback comparison for you: Stafford, uh, who's having a great year as well, 299 pass yard per game average. Carr's at 242. Uh, Stafford, 16 touchdowns. Carr, 11. Both have thrown four interceptions. But get this. The quarterback efficiency rating, Stafford, 105.3. Carr's just behind him at 103.6. And the Lions are allowing 289.1 pass yards per game this season. That's on pace for the most by a Lions defense since 1960. Matt Patricia, weren't you supposed to be a defensive coach? 
How did you ever come from Bill Belichick, who you could tell always comes from the side of defense first? Yeah. That's what really bothers me with this game. I mean, Oakland, if you're going to tell me cars at home, Detroit's got to cross the country. You're giving me under a field goal, and the Lions' pass defense is that bad. I can't see Carr getting worse this game. I'm going to take. I'm going to take the Raiders. Yeah, I just I'm picturing Patricia, the, the two Maddies, Stafford and Patricia, on the road, and I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm taking the Raiders too. The Raiders. All right, on to Seattle, where the Seahawks are playing some pretty good football recently, but they've got to because they got to keep pace with their division rival, San Francisco 49ers, who are on a tear this year. Uh, Seattle, they are laying six points as the Tampa Bay Bucks are coming to town. The Bucks are on a bit of a roll themselves. 31.8 points per game since week three. That's the most in the NFL. Too bad Jameis Winston throws it away just as often, eh? Winston, middle of the field, and intercepted. Yeah, it's too bad they can't, uh, you know, combine a no-interception game with a multi-touchdown game, which I think has happened a couple times this year, but that's about it. Get this, man. Um, Get this stat. Winston has 12 interceptions this year. Russ Wilson would have to play 96 games to reach that mark at his current interception rate. (laughs) Wow, that is interesting. Yeah, Jameis Winston Um, is not a good quarterback. Jameis Winston occasionally is a good quarterback. Yeah, but but you never know when. Uh, now let's keep in mind the Tampa Bay Bucks have a new head coach named Bruce Arians. He's the coach uh, the Arizona Cardinals, who also belong in the NFC West. So he's very familiar with Seattle, and you know Tampa Bay is really good against the run. So if you can shut down Carson and, and make a one dimensional game between, you know. After aforementioned uh, Russie Wilson, mm. could be a big day for guys like Tyler Lockett, and that's why you're seeing a spread or a spread rather a total that's over 50, 51 and a half. But at the same time, I'm liking the Bucks here, and I'll tell you why, Maddie. Next week, Seattle plays San Francisco on primetime Monday Night Football, and you know what that means. It's an almost wise guys sandwich game. So, you know, non-conference, non-conference game here. I just look for them to get their business done, squeak out a win, carry on with their business and uh, start preparing for the 49ers. So here's an interesting thought. Uh, the Bucks D right now allowing 30.3 points per game and three of their last four losses have been by one possession. But uh, that's against Tennessee, New Orleans, and New York Giants. And that, of course, uh, was a Tennessee with Marcus Mariota, uh, New Orleans with Teddy Bridgewater, and New York Giants with Danny Dimes. Right, but is, so, that, is that the team allowing that, or is that the defense? Because all the pick sixes that Winston throws, you know, that's a special team's point, right? So you no, can't really... It's, it's the Bucks D is allowing 30 points per, okay. point per game. And right. you're telling me they're going to go into Seattle and not lose by more than a touchdown and a field goal? I don't know. I'll take Russ uh, Russ Wilson at home. Uh, he's got a great quarterback rating. He's nine touchdowns to one interception this year. 
almost uh, 300 yards pass average. I just, I can't see, you know, like I said, Winston's 12, 12 interceptions this year. Seattle's got a pretty good defense because Pete Carroll, he's another D guy. You know, I just can't see Tampa Bay going across country and doing well in Seattle. Actually, you know what just dawned on me? Both of these coaches are in their 70s. Yeah. Yeah. And I would sure. guess, I, I would guess that, that that type of matchup has never happened before. It's got to. Marv Levy was in the league for so many years, and he was 70 forever, wasn't he? Well, at least. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I I 70 so. when he was 30. Yeah, I suppose so. But anyway, I guess it hasn't happened in a while. Let's put, put it there. And really, how many septuagenarians wear a kangle the way Bruce Arians does? Now, here's a group that was established in 1909. I hate modern music. <laughs> Under the Mile High City, where the Denver Broncos are playing host to the Cleveland Browns in Denver, three-point underdogs, but of course, no Joe Flacco. So their game day quarterback is going to be Braden Allen. He's had three and a half years NFL experience, but never once taken a snap, not even a kneel down. And of course, that makes Brett Rippon uh, their backup QB, and he was promoted from the practice squad. So you better hope that uh, Braden Allen doesn't get hurt. <laughs> well, Br- uh, Brandon Allen is actually the third stringer because the second stringer got put on an IR a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, Drew Locke, right? He's out. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's Denver their high draft pick. They don't, want, they don't want him to get injured, so they're going to keep Locke on the bench till he's completely healthy. Well, let's see. He's uh, a high draft pick. What's John, Elway's su- what's John Elway's success with high draft picks? Both Very zero? low, yep. Very low. Um but yeah, Denver was one point favorites before the Flacco announcement. So I was actually surprised that Denver isn't more heavily favored now that Flacco's out. Uh, he's on the injury report listed as a neck injury. And I would expect that that is uh, as a result of holding up that apathetic head of his every week. No, I think it was, I think it was Don Fangino. What have I ever done to make you treat me so disrespectfully? I, like, look at what happened. Emmanuel Sanders piped up, traded. Joe Flacco starts talking smack about the uh, offensive play calling toward the end of the game last week. All of a sudden, he's got a yes, he was in his yeah. neck. I think Don Fangino is like, he's flexing. Yeah, he might be. He's out for five or six weeks anyway, so they better hope that this Brandon Allen kid does something decent. Yeah. Um, I, I don't honestly, I don't really have a good read on this game, other than the fact that obviously Denver's going to be pounding the ball oh, with Philip Lindsay. <laughs> Cleveland, jeez. Well, okay. You know, I, it, we're going to trash the Browns because Browns are going to Brown. But I got right. go to go to, to bat for them in this instance, in that their losses this season have come against opponents with a combined record of 30 and 9. So it's not exactly like they've been playing chumps, they've had a pretty rough schedule over the beginning of this year. And then they get to go into Denver, which is, albeit a tough place to play, but Cleveland's got a monster defense. And you're telling me a third-string quarterback is going to go to town on them? I really can't see that happening. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. 
that that that's the matchup that I'm afraid of. And Nick Chubb's going to run all over the Broncos because yeah. Nick Nick Chubb's run all over you know, everybody. This, a standard operating yeah, procedure. As I say, this is a tough one to pick. Thirty um, nine is pretty low total. You know, Denver almost pulled that one out in Indy last week. Uh, Adam Vinatieri not hit that fifty one yard field goal, uh, but that's obviously with Flacco in the game. I don't know. I mean, like if you look at rookie starters this year or backups, you know, they're four and one against the spread. They it's are. been a good year for backups. It's a pretty small year, spread, though. Yeah, it is. Um, Put a hook you know, on play- this game. I might think of it differently, but until that, I'm I'm taking the Browns. God, taking Cleveland on the road. Yeah, I know it's it's crazy, but I honestly, I mean Baker Mayfield. It can't get much worse for the poor guy. I mean, he's he's throwing twelve picks this year, but he also throws two hundred forty one. He's only throwing six game. touchdowns. That's a really bad ratio. It That's is one a whole, two. That's, That's not yeah, good. I agree with you a hundred percent. But I also, you know, first of all, Vaughn Miller's questionable this week. I think he's going to go, but he's banged up. And like I said, should Nick, should Baker Mayfield be worried about? him coming down his throat is not you know the same as von miller coming down your throat well i think baker mayfield's got to worry about a lot of things but what he should be doing is handing the ball off to uh nick chubb and letting him do the majority of the work because i don't think they're gonna have to score a lot of points cleveland's defense yeah but you know, if, say what if you, they, like if i said it's one-dimensional yeah, yeah, but if they but get they're one not, dimensional, they're not you don't get, think Denver's the type of team that could stack the box with eight guys? They're not going to get one dimensional. There's no way they're getting one dimensional because the Broncos aren't going to run away with it. Look at the low scoring total on this, 39. And man, I don't know if I'd do you bet think on that, that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to have a big day? Dude, who do you think is going to have a bigger day? Uh, Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham? That's I don't know. That's a heads or tails. It all depends on what kind of corner matchup they're getting, what kind of defense Denver runs. I don't know. I'll always give the nod to Odell Beckham Jr. because if he gets the targets, the guy can catch basically anything thrown his way. You know, I, it just that Baker Mayfield's got to get some better vision, and I'm hoping that if you know they, they got to keep running Nick Chubb, their defense against a rookie quarterback, a third string rookie quarterback. Uh, at that yeah. I, I just I, I honestly can't see Den- if, like I said if there was a hook on this maybe but a field goal or under I'm taking the Browns I I don't think I've ever uttered this sentence before I am taking the Browns as favored on the road what up though this is Big Snoop Dogg Dog Pound y'all better turn up this week man y'all got a new feeling new spirit let's go get it done Dog Pound In our last late afternoon game, we head to Los Angeles and the Chargers play host to the Green Bay Packers. And I'm actually pretty shocked that the Chargers are only three and a half point underdogs at home, especially with the way Green Bay more? played away last week. Yeah. So this is their second road game in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah. You think Aaron Rodgers you know, char- Aaron Rodgers is going to charge. Now, Maddie, let me ask you this. In general, do you think Soldier Field is a pretty difficult place to play? It is a difficult place to play. So the Chargers go in there last week. They pull out a win. 
And then they proceed to fire their offensive coordinator, Ken Wisenhunt. <laughs> Chargers <laughs> going to charge. Chargers going to charge. And that was an Anthony Lynn decision. That was not from the general manager. That was an Anthony Lynn decision, which kind of makes sense because that guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Um, but the, the bottom line is, you know, with Patrick Mahomes out, there's still a good chance that the Chargers could win this division. There is. Right? Right? There you is. got. Which you is crazy to say they haven't out. been playing very well at all this year. You know, three and five straight up is not a good record. We shouldn't be talking about them winning the division, but that, I guess that's how East, or pardon me, that's how weak well, that's, the AFC West is. Yeah. And like the over under here that I want to know about is is what percentage of the crowd is going to be wearing cheese hats. And I think it's a, well over 50. Yeah, Green Bay travels well. They travel well to that, you know, little soccer stadium that they got there in LA for these guys but to be quite honest with you green bay two weeks in a row on the road joey bosa maybe comes down uh, i'll just throw um, i'm gonna say chargers here all right well remember how i was talking about indy finding way to win those one possession games well the chargers they've lost seven one possession games that's tied for most in the nfl so in the close games they can't find a way to win who plays quarterback in the NFL that when it's close at the end of the game finds a way to win? I'll tell you right now, as a Bears uh, fan, I know him to be Aaron Rodgers because I hate that guy and I hate the team he plays for. But did you see him? You want to talk Danny Dimes? You see Aaron Dimes throw that pass to the corner of the end zone last weekend? Oh, yeah. Yes, I did. Yes, and, I did. And his receivers uh, are trusting him to even get his it there. That was receiver, though. That was not even his intended receiver. Like he's falling off. He's falling on his back foot off balance. Yeah, he well, whips it up there. Of course, if someone comes down with it. You know, it, Green Bay's got a lot going for him. Aaron Jones has uh, 11 scrimmage t- touchdowns, most mm-hmm. in the NFL, right? Green Bay's 6-2 and two against the spread this year. And how about this? Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 64, 65.4% passing completion, uh, 290 pass yards a game on average, 16 touchdowns, Two interceptions, that's eight to one ratio. And by the way, he has a career passer rating versus LA at 132.5. You think he likes playing in LA? Well, how often does he play the Chargers, though? Like, I don't know. I'm sure that they haven't, they haven't, the last time they played was in San Diego. More than likely. But, so either way, I, I'm looking here. I, I think the Green Bay Packers have no problem covering the spread. Well, good for you. Hey, by the way, just just kills me to say that two weeks. This is the second week in a row I'm choosing the Packers. And if I go next week and do that, I'm sure that my Bears friends on Twitter are gonna take away my Bears oh, actually, you know what? fan card. This would be a good time to want this would be a great time to announce to our loyal listeners that we will not be having a podcast next week. That's correct, because I am going on vacation. And why does Maddie take a lot of vacation? Because Maddie gets a lot of vacation. Damn right. So I'm going to enjoy a couple weeks in Guatemala. So next week, no podcast, but the week after we'll, uh, we'll get one out, even if it's a, a little bit of an abbreviated version. And, and Andy will still have his picks post. on Facebook. Correct? Right. And uh, I will also make it up in two other ways. Um, Thanksgiving weekend, we're actually doing two podcasts, one for all the Thursday games and then one for all the Sunday games and Monday following that. And I will go talk about the Chargers charging. Ever since they got their asses handed to them in 1994 in the Super Bowl by my San Francisco 49ers, 
there's been a lot of tragedy surrounding that team. And I think that that's going to be a, a worth a closer look. And so two weeks from now, I'm going to have a little, I'm going to have a little bit prepared where I, I, I go through exactly all the tragedies that have occurred to that team since 1994. Sunday night football where the Baltimore Ravens face the New England Patriots. And this is where the schedulers got it right. This game's going to be a banger. Baltimore, three and a half point dogs at home. And that probably has something to do with the Pats D. Listen to this through eight games, 7.6 points per game allowed, 234 <laughs> yards per game on average allowed, two touchdowns allowed in total. And they've intercepted the ball 19 times. All those stats that I just quoted you are better than the 1985 Bears. Really? Yeah, really. Now, their opposition has not been that great. They've benefited no, from not. playing the Jets a couple times. They've already played the Dolphins once. I think they played the Browns. They played the, they Bills, play the Giants. The Giants, the Jets. Yeah, so, I mean, they haven't really gone through the who. I think this is actually New England's first real test. So I think some of those defensive stats are a little deflated because of who they've been facing, and they haven't really been facing some oh. offensive juggernauts. Oh, I see what you did there, Matty. I see what you did there. Like <laughs> Deflating. I've handled dozens of balls over the past week. Yeah, so Lamar Jackson, 11-3 as a starter since week 11 last year, and only Brady and Wilson have more wins during that span. And uh, the Ravens' offense right now is averaging 30.6 points per game, 434.9 total yards per game. How about that? Well, speaking of Lamar Jackson, he's now in his second year. Don't quote me on this, but I think the spirit of the stat is correct. I believe that I heard in the last 22 times that Bill Belichick has faced a quarterback either as a rookie or in his second year, he's won straight up 22 of them. Yeah, oh, they... They definitely do well against rookie quarterbacks, and Bill Belichick is a guy that knows how to draw up a game plan. I just and by the way, interesting because we're talking about Lamar Jackson. Here's a little uh, quiz for you. Oh, I like quizzes. Who is the only quarterback to ever rush for more than 100 yards versus the Pats' defense? Michael Vick. That was a good guess because, you know, NFC guy as well, played for the Falcons, but it was actually Randall Cunningham back in 1990. Oh, just, oh Jesus. Yeah, I wanted to get that stat in because oh, I'm a big Randall Cunningham. Oh. I, I didn't like the Eagles, but, you know, I always made sure I watched from Randall Cunningham yeah. because he was such an exciting quarterback to watch. He could and throw, he could it. run, he could do he, it all. What, he could punt on third down. Remember when he did that? That's right. On end zone? He did. You know, Took all he was missing was... I don't know why guys don't do that anymore. Like, yeah. that was perfect. There was no one back to catch that. All he was missing in his career was getting the Doug Flutie drop kick, and he would have been like... he would have. Oh, got that's that, right. <laughs> Remember hey, that? I'm thinking of a new... Oh, absolutely. He, that was fun, man. That was just fun. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking for your boy Trubisky. Maybe he learns how to punt the ball on third down. 
I think they should just give it to the running backs every 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 down and just see what we can do. Uh, I mean, enough enough about your Bears. Yeah, you've got John, John Harbaugh t- taking these guys off. Uh, these Ravens are coming off a bye, uh, an extra week to prepare. Not that Bill Belichick is going to be unprepared, of course. Never, never. But like, yeah, okay. that defense is pretty pretty scary. Here's the thing: I'm going for Baltimore on this because of the three in the hook. And here's why I'm going for Baltimore on this. Um, The Pats' last five opponents, Cleveland, New York Jets, New York Giants, professional football team from Washington, and Buffalo. And they only beat Buffalo 16-10. to And And the Eagles whooped Buffalo last week. Yeah, and that was only the block punt. So it was their special teams that did it. Baltimore has great special teams. They've got a defense that's pretty close to as good as Buffalo's. And they've got an offense that's super dynamic. They can run it with Ingram. They can run it with Jackson. And they can throw it with Jackson. And I think giving like whether or not New England wins this, if they win it, it's going to be a super close game. And I think a field goal or less. So if you're going to give me three and a half points at home, I'm taking the Ravens. Got to go with the home dog here, bro. Yeah. And you know what? Tom Brady doesn't look quite right. I mean, he is Tom Brady, but I guess the talk of the town is their defense. But you see Earl Thomas coming up in the middle on a safety blitz. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Watch out, buddy. Yeah, and he is he is not what he was the last few years. I mean, they're they're not outscoring teams by a lot. Their defense is just holding teams to very little. Yeah, and no, I don't I, think you get to hold the, Baltimore the second I to saw seven this line, points. The second I saw this line, I was like, Yeah, no, no. No way, man. There's no way that I'm <laughs> not taking the home team dog here by three on the hook. Yeah. Let's go, Ravens. On to Monday night, and we've got a great NFC North matchup where the New York Giants... Play host to the Dallas Cowboys. This is a uh, seven and a half point spread, uh, and the Giants I think are it's the seven underdogs. Flat now, Maddie. Is it seven flat now? Okay, it's so seven this, flat. Yeah. this is the Giants are seven point underdogs at home. Now the Cowboys, uh, they may have a, a spotty record against a lot of the NFL, but eight and one versus the NFC East since 2018. So they do well against teams even on the road in their own division. They do. Um, you know, for, for about three decades, the spread was legislated to be a field goal, but it's a different era. Um, this, this is only the second time since 2016 that the Cowboys were road favorites by either a touchdown or more. The last time, three weeks ago against the Jets, where they lost 24-22. to 22. Where? At the Meadowlands. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was at the Meadowlands, wasn't it? Um, I, you know what? You know, you picture... You picture... Uh, Jason Garrett on the road outside of the confines of Big D with that, that dog collar on that goes <laughs> every time. Uh, seven on it. You know, I think Zeke's going to have a big day, and I think Saquon's going to have a big day. Is it going to be big enough? I don't know. I I think I think there's a lot of money on a lot of wise guy money on the Cowboys, but yeah. you're going to give me the Giants at home prime time game getting getting a touchdown. It'd be hard for me not to take the Giants. 
The Giants defense have allowed the Giants defense have allowed 25 or more points in seven games this year. That's the most in the NFL. And Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, the Cowboys have had some seriously storied teams over the years. This team is on pace for the most total yards per game in franchise history. Right now, they're on 437.9 yards per game. Mm-hmm. And New York's defense is atrocious. Prescott's completing yes, a little over 70% of his passes. He's getting 300 yards per game, 12 touchdowns. Now, the problem he's got here, I think, is the seven interceptions. Uh, if, if Dak starts throwing picks, it gets a little harder for the Giants to cover that spread. Or pardon me, the, the, the Cowboys to cover the spread. However, mm-hmm. since it came down to a touchdown, I'm going with the Cowboys on Monday night. Uh, they got to keep pace in the uh, NFC East with Philadelphia. Maddie, for some reason, I think we're both going to be right on this one. And the only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! Please hang up and try again. Right, it's time for Andy's Total Prop Tease. And this is a segment whereby Andy makes a recommendation on a point total, a prop bet, and finally a teaser. Now, we invite you to do the same thing along with us on our Facebook fan page. That's Almost Wise Guys at Facebook. Uh, A successful total prop tease is any combo that hits two out of the three. And uh, you nailed it last week. So take out your swabby hat, brother, and uh, give us your week nine thoughts. Well, let's not go too far back in our memories. Let's talk about the Giants-Dallas game. That total sitting at 48. And this matchup has gone under the number five of the last seven meetings with a combined average score of 39.14. And as I say, I think Saquon's going to have a big day, and I think Zeke's going to have a big day. They're going to eat the clock up, and I, I see this one going well under 48. Let's go to our proposition bet. In doing so, we are going to go back to the well, which is the Green Bay Packers well. Uh, This week, they're playing the Chargers, and I'm looking for both teams to have a combined score greater in the first half than the second. Matt LaFleur, once his script runs out after 20 or 25 plays, uh, the production tails off significantly. So again, Green Bay Chargers for the first half to be the highest scoring one. You're going to have to lay a little bit of juice at minus 115, but it's worth it. Our teaser, a little different this week in that uh, I'm picking two underdogs. The first one is our Chicago Bears, who Maddie and I both agree could possibly win outright. But we're going to take them from 5 to 11, going through the two key numbers of 7 and 10. And the professional football team from Washington going from plus 9 to plus 15. Again, two key numbers, 10 and 14. And when you consider that lower total of 36 and a half, I don't see Buffalo getting a lot of separation on that. Again, to recap, Dallas Giants under 48. Chargers, Packers, first half to be the highest scoring. Teaser, Chicago up to 11, and Washington up to 15. Well, thank you for listening to Week 9 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss the show. Also, special shout-out to Extra 90.5 for airing this episode in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. Now make sure to hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all Week 9 games across the NFL. Remember, 
There are no, uh, there is no podcast next week. However, Andy will have the picks up on our Facebook fan page. From the Costa Nostra Studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in two weeks from now on the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. Good night, everyone. I love you guys. Better call.